Good afternoon, everyone. This is Zach with Creative Sports Marketing Radio, where business is our sport. Today, we're going to get into the cult of NCAA football, how EA CFB series has lived on despite cancellation. And then I want to dive into the Madden rating system a little bit, why it's such a big deal to players who play the game and the NFL players. So stay tuned. So, NCAA football, an EA series that hasn't been around for a while. More than 2,000 days ago, EA Sports released NCAA football 14, the latest in the popular college football game series that had an almost cult-like following as a result of nearly two decades of spirited design that brilliantly captured the personality of the sport. Back in the day, NCAA football was a big deal. I personally am not a huge fan of college football. I was way more and still am a huge Madden fan, but it was a great game. It was a great buffer. It was it was great to see yourself go and, and, and create a, a player and create a team and go all the way through the process of a season and then or a, a career and then bring it all the way and draft it into Madden and be able to see your same draft picks move on. It was it was fun. It was exciting. And I had a lot of friends that love the NCAA franchise. It's it's kind of another niche for the people that aren't as aren't as big into the NFL. Uh, it it was fun, but they got rid of it. And because EA Sports is the only one at this point that has any sort of resemblance of being able to play that game, it's, I mean, release that game, it's, it kind of sucks for all those college fans out there. It kind of sucks for all the people that love seeing the game, but it is a tedious task. I don't know if many of you understand this, but it is a tedious task just for Madden. Madden's one of those games where when you come out, when it comes out, they have to go to every single player at least any single player that is a 60 or above in rating systems and give them a face, um, create their face digitally, put anything in the game license-wise like Colin Kaepernick's tattoo or uh, some of their voices or even be able to do the movements correctly of these players and these coaches and, and these voices and get the announcers on there. It's it's a very big task and they do it every single year. Yeah, there's a lot of recycled content, which is something I always talk about when you're developing your brand is re recycling content, but it's also a tedious task. Now think about that when it comes to NCAA. Think about that when it comes to doing these college students who rotate and, and every year there's another set of, of, of high schoolers coming in. It's impossible. It'd be an impossible task. I do think down the road they could come up with some sort of system where they'd be able to get these kids in the team. I don't know if their statistics would be accurate, but at the time, in July of 2014, this felt like nothing more than another content-rich update. New rosters, new features, new animations, new subtitles that separated the game from Madden. EA's flagship football product. It was it was even more popular than Madden. But behind the scenes, there were very vast concerns over the future of the game, and some of those concerns were proven well-founded. NCAA Football 2014 is still the series' latest official release. Uh, the demise of NCAA football franchise has been well-documented 
mounted lawsuits over player likenesses, like I've told you, and the way players weren't compensated for their appearance. Specifically, a class action suit against the NCAA filed by a former college basketball player led EA to seize future development. The company paid out $60 million to the college football and basketball players who were featured in the game, according to the CBS Sports. Those who worked out the game lost their jobs. Some moved over to work on Madden, the franchise they had spent years trying to outperform. When, somebody, when NCAA was taken away, it did kind of leave this gap. It's tough to find that level of passion that we had in producing features for a community that was just like us, diehard college football fans, the other niche. Although it is, has been more than six years since EA Sports published an NCAA football game, the passion hasn't waned. Those who produce the game still find an intimacy to their creation. They love it. And players past and present yearn for a resolution from the NCAA so the game can perhaps be produced again. A small but mighty subset of NCAA football fanatics have even pured countless hours in bringing its own version of the game to life every year. The system NCAA football 2014 last existed on PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 are now outdated. Soon they will be two generations behind as if you don't know the PS4 and the, the new Xbox are coming out pretty soon here. But some gamers hang on to those non-ancient gamer devices to the sole purpose of playing the last generation of the game. Games are still sold, games are still sold at original resale price online and in some instances higher. There's even a market for a final cover and box without the actual game included. That's crazy. If anything, if anything, hope and curiosity that the franchise will be reborn has blossomed into an absence. Now, let's let's move that over and hope that they do eventually come up with the resolve of that. I I don't know if they will with the with the issues I've told you in the past, but um, earlier on in, in in talking about this, but let's hope. I would love to see it. There, there is a, a sense of it in the new Madden 2020. They brought a couple of college uh, teams in there, and it, it brings that that alive a, a little bit more. But uh, now let's get into the next topic. Uh, why do NFL players get so irritated? I feel like no one's happy with their, their Madden rating. Uh, and that's something I kind of wanted to get into today what people think of Madden ratings and what they think of uh, NBA Live ratings and all of these sports games ratings, uh, even FIFA, like the ratings of their players. It, for the fans, I mean, for the, the production team, it's hard. The, the production team takes very high consideration and I think the problem is fans are never happy because every fan thinks that their player should be a 99 every player thinks they should be nice they work their their butts off creating these creating these um creating these working working as a player is hard they have they put lots of hours out countless hours and to have it be defined by a number to them shows that they're not as good as they are. I, as an athlete, I'll tell you, don't worry about it. Of course, it, it does suck, but at the end of the day, it's just one team 
producing a number of you. You, of course, don't have to take that literally, but at the same time, look at it as an opportunity to grow. Um, they, do a, they do a great job at finding different attributes that you may be good at and, and pushing that towards a certain direction. What do, what do you guys think? What do you think of the Madden rating system? Um, put in the comments below. Uh, Tom Brady, on the other hand, roasts as a random tweeter and himself over the Madden stats. Now, this is funny. So Tom Brady knows when it comes to quarterbacks, he's not that fast, but he's definitely faster than you, a regular person without six Super Bowl rings and, of course, a Hall of Fame football career. Most people accept this, while others have to learn the hard way. When a random tweeter used criticize Brady's rating in Madden in the Madden game, Brady himself was there to teach him a lesson. So, like I said, some background is that the Madden NFL ratings are a big deal to both the fans and the player, and, and it isn't unusual for some feathers to ruffle over which quarterback ranks ranks were or what running back scores, how high on their strength. Uh, when the newest ratings come out, Tom Brady was sitting pretty at number two on the quarterback rankings behind Patrick Mahomes, who of course was the starter on the cover this year. Um, fingers crossed, uh, Madden curse. Hope that doesn't happen to you, uh, Mahomes. But, well, that didn't sit well with some guy named Matt on Twitter who argued with the Yahoo Sports account about whether Brady, who is mad slow by football standards, was incredibly fast by any other standard is worth such a rating. They tried to warm him, but it escalated to him making the ultimate some guy named Matt move, asserted that he, a random Twitter user, was faster than Tom freaking Brady. I number, this is what he stated. I number 100% could run faster and further than Tom. So, so could 50% of high schoolers, 80% of college players, and 90% of pros. Learned how to unbiasedly access the total... The, the totality of the player then adjust those numbers and I could possibly like if you so if you look on Twitter Tom Brady says I'm so much faster than you Matt he quickly shut him down uh, he then posted a video poking fun at his own speed which by the way earned him the, the lowest Madden Kobe, uh, QB QB ranking and that's pretty funny so go to Twitter and this is just another form of I think athletes uh, leveraging um, being nice to their fans and understanding their attributes and, and being able to understand the importance of, of the Madden rating system, but being able to see it in its light and say, hey, you can't Photoshop this video is what Tom Brady said. So that's, that's pretty funny. It's pretty funny tweets on the news these days. Go ahead and take a look on it. That's all I have today for, uh, for some of the news. If you have any comments or you have any idea of what your thoughts are on, on NCAA football and how it and how it moves over to the uh, NFL or how it how it works with the fans and the rating system, put a comment below. And again, this is Zach with Creative Sports Marketing Radio. And remember, business is our sport. And how they can help you find success as an entrepreneur. So the sports industry is very competitive by nature. It can be overwhelming for up-and-coming athletes and players to find their place in the world of professional athletics. Standing out, of, standing out from the crowd is not an easy task, but it can be accomplished by building a strong profile in your niche 
and increasing awareness of your brand and can cultivate success for your professional endeavors on and off the field. Now, for most athletes, this is a task that is not easily, easily accomplished. With so much time spending on training and traveling and focusing on your athleticism and attending social charitable events, there's hardly time left in the day to devote to, the other, to other matters, much less decipher complex issues like digital marketing and sports and online marketing. And that's where a sports marketing firm can really help you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, it can be very intimidating. There's multiple kinds of firms out there. For one, an agent is not a firm. Look at an agency, an agent, as more of someone that helps you with team activities, helps you get the signing on deals with the teams. Look at a traditional sports marketing or PR agency. Look, at, maybe they help you a little bit more so on the on the aspect of they give you that twenty percent. They help you with, hey, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a sponsor. Now that that sponsor is gonna pay you a lot of money, and now you just give twenty percent to that sports marketing company. Now the problem with a lot of those sports marketing companies is they don't really think that much about the collateral side. They don't think about you in terms of what are you gonna do. Do you have a marketing team behind you? They may have some people on staff, but do they have a designer? Do they have a developer? Do they have social media expert? Do they have or do they outsource to other countries and things of that nature to grab some of those too? A lot of them don't really look at that into consideration. Now, a new era sports marketing firm focuses a lot more on helping the athlete build, build their brand through leveraging those sponsorships, through build, using their brand power to, to to give value to those sponsors. Now, why work with the sports marketing firm in general? Traditional uh, new era sports marketing firms, why work with either of those in general? There's a huge potential for athletes to produce incremental revenue streams by capitalizing on their certain success and growing their public profile. You'll not only receive more popularity, but you can land a major endorsement deal, start your own clothing line or business, and more the more there are endless opportunities. There's, there's endless possibilities with the free marketing that you're getting by playing on the field. Um, any sports marketing firm can help. Any sports marketing firm can find the right strategies to promote your business and your identity as an athlete. But again, quality, depending on what they're kind of going after. An agency will help you tackle a whole spectrum of marketing tactics. So they can help with the social media. They can help with the crowdfunding search. They can help with the web website development and hopefully the maintenance if they're, they, they have website development as one of their strong suits and so much more. Hopefully you become a well-known and respected figure on the field and using these strategies. Now, let's talk about some of these marketing strategies for athletes. There are various strategies for athletes that can, that can use to promote their brand, whether you're, they're looking to further their, their success as a player or focus on entrepreneur endeavors Developing data-driven marketing plan is key to developing that. So the four things I'm going to kind of get into today are um, as followed. Number one, brand development. A brand consists of both tangible and intangible elements. A successful brand strategy focuses on both sports marketing firms, on bo both of those strategies. A sports marketing firm will help you craft strong identity for your brand using competitive research and tactical marketing strategies. So not just building you a logo, 
It's not just a logo. It's the it's the tangible elements like the business cards, the the collateral pieces, the printed pieces, the promotional pieces, and the intangible um, intangible objects like your messaging, your voice, uh, the marketing strategy around um, how you're going to deliver that to your audience. Um, all of that kind of stuff helps bring value to sponsors that helps them find you better, helps them recognize you better, and it helps them see you as a professional athletic athlete and that you're actually taking it seriously as a business. Number two, very unutilized is websites. So a website is a must for any athlete or entrepreneur. A website gives your fans and customers and consumers a way to engage with you. Obtain information about your past and certain uh, certain successes and feel personality connect, personality connected. So they feel more connected to you. Don't let ESPN, don't let those higher those higher sports companies uh, leverage your name and, and build their brand themselves by leveraging you. You're the one working hard. Build your business and leverage that to build your own nonprofit. You're not your own your own brand depending on if you want to open a storefront on the on the beach or if you want to sell clothing line or if you want to um, sell recreational products or even if you want to reach other athletes by becoming a coach use your uh, your field presence and create this yourself leverage your own and, and use that website as a funnel fans would love I said love because no one does this yet uh, they would love seeing athletes consistently write content like you don't have to the agency would do this for you it'd be it'd be like you have your own agency under you number three content marketing now content marketing is 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 great and I'll use an example here in a second but content marketing is a way for you to uh, share your stories um, with your fans and what they want to hear and you need a way to connect with the right people in order to grow your business. Using content marketing strategies like social media marketing, blogging, email marketing is a great way to get your message in front of your target audiences. Now, Destroyer is an athlete. He's he's a, a YouTube, he uses video marketing content to promote his story. He, he, he reaches his fans in a way that other people that other athletes haven't tried yet. He's the only one I really know of that's really kind of taken this seriously. Maybe one day we'll have him on the show, but he does. He takes this stuff seriously and he's getting a reoccurring income from not just YouTube, but he's gonna be able to grow his, his athletic career outside of um, YouTube, outside of the sport, and he's probably gonna get multiple sponsors because they're gonna value the fact that he has these, this audience that they can track and that they can see on YouTube. So that just that doesn't just go with YouTube, that goes with Instagram, that goes with Facebook, that goes with Twitter. It depends on what your target market really follows you on in the fans, but it also comes back to your website. If you have a website at the end of the day that you can tra transition into a bit, an athletic business, an athlete business, then, then you're, gonna be, you're gonna be great. So um, that's number three. Now number four is is one that's not really utilized too much, which is crowdfunding, which is another way to get your fans engaged with you. But crowdfunding platforms like GoFundMe, Kickstarter, and Fundly are becoming increasingly more popular, especially in the sports industry. Crowdfunding taps into the emotions of your fans and consumers by getting them to invest in and donate to a cause. It can also provide you with additional funds that you can invest back into the business. Now. Look at J.J. Watt's example when he did Hurricane Katrina. When he did that situation, he went right in and 
he made 14 million when he was only trying to raise 1 million. And a lot of that wasn't because he was using GoFundMe. A lot of that was because of the concept before, which is content marketing. He was able to bring people through that as a funnel to the site to, to, to make money. Now, if he were to develop his own crowdfunding platform, an, a web development company would have charged him and we'll just go crazy here. And we'll just say they wanted this huge crowdfunding platform. That's what they want to do to compete with GoFundMe. Not just a normal, um, smaller one, but we'll say a large a large one. We'll just say $100,000. We'll just say that we spent $100,000 on this, this, this crowdfunding platform through hiring a development team, hiring a, a creative team, um, going through everything. And we'll conclude branding in that too. We'll say we branded, we'll say we created you a whole company for $100,000, how about that? Um, Kickstarter probably took 3%. That's $700,000 and all they did is provide the platform. That's all they did. Um, so think about that. Look how much money you would have saved if you did it yourself. Um, so look at crowdfunding as a way, not maybe at the beginning, but as you grow as a, as a funnel, as a way to content market. Think of everything that you do as a funnel to, re to reach those, those audiences. Now, that's all I have for today. Um, I want to thank everyone for staying uh, connected with me and um, listening to this video. Um, I would really appreciate a, a subscribe. I'm really trying to build this channel. I'm really trying to get out there and reach reach these audiences. 